Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 23. Hi, hello, welcome once again, dear listener, to the Curator Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fraser, and this is episode number 23. So this past week, which is, I guess, the week before this episode came out, I had a whole bunch of interviews, which is good because it means that I've got content in the weeks coming up. I also scheduled in the first woman on this podcast, but then I subsequently had to cancel the interview because I had jury duty. Which, as I'm sure you'll agree, is rubbish. But I'm still working on it and it's still an issue that I I think about a lot. And it's one that I hope to rectify in the immediate future. On this episode, I have John Niblock from the band Vasa. Or Vasa. I'm never sure how you pronounce that. I've known John for a while. I actually first met John through the music website that I run, used to run, I guess, maybe called Daily Discord when John was somehow recruited onto the writing staff and ever since then him and his band seem to be omnipresent in the Glasgow music scene. It's been really cool to see them go from strength to strength. It's been nice to see them get more popular and that's great. So I was really happy to have a chance to sit down and talk with John because I really like their new album. I think it's brilliant. It's called Colours. You can get it on their Bandcamp online just now. It's... They often get lumped in with the post-rock thing, or even the math thing. But the fact of the matter is that I really think that they're neither. And we actually talk a bit about this in the podcast, so I don't really want to ruin that for you. So yeah, I'm just going to dive into it. So I'm going to open up with a song from their debut album, Colours. And this song is called The Angry Dome.
John, the mouthpiece of Vaza. How you doing? Fine. Try to go over getting called a mouthpiece there. That's pretty much right. Yeah, good, good. Every interview that I've read in the past couple of days, you've been you've done them. What's that all about? Uh I don't know. Everyone, uh, whenever we get an interview, they say not not me because they don't trust me. But everyone else just sucks at talking to people. So uh, and Scott's Scott's working all the time. So I think the only other person I would trust to do it is working every day of the week. It's just me. Do you have trust issues with doing shit like organising shit and all that? <laughs> no, I'm just waiting for one to say something incredibly stupid in an interview, accidentally slag someone, or just you know tell someone that we don't actually write all the songs. We just you know. I'm, t- I'm digging myself a hole already. No, I'm just I'm waiting for I'm waiting for someone to say something incredibly stupid. So probably this interview. Right. <laughs> it may actually happen in this interview. I'm not. Um, it's 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 a possibility. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the album's out now and it's fucking great. I listened to it earlier on again. Um, it's been getting good reception, man. How does that feel? Uh, really cool. I was saying to Scott a while ago, I'm desperate for a really bad interview just to get a laugh. But um, no, it's been really cool. Uh, like I've, we've been, we couldn't share any as well, like on our Facebooks. We've been away for like the last two weeks, and we've just been reading them on the on the road, and it's really really nice. It's just, I still find it weird that it's out because we've been sitting on it for like ten months. I think we started recording the first week of February, and then we had the whole mixing bit, which was just weeks of saying that's good, but we need to change this and this and this, and then you get sick of the album. Um, but it's just it's been really really nice. Um, it's always nice to hear people think you're you're good, yeah. which is it's great. And there's been some absolutely hilarious interviews as well, like people saying that almost Colin is the One Direction of post rock and stuff. <laughs> I read that a couple of days ago. That uh, that gave me a wee smile. Uh, yeah, it's been cool. It's been really really nice. Are you the One Direction of post rock? Uh, is that is that a thing? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, so I was actually when you're when you're talking about the reviews and stuff there, man. I was kind of thinking like. Because you've been sitting on it for so long, like, and you've been playing the songs live for a, for a long time. You must be like past it now, like the music, on to the next thing. Oh, there's a couple of songs I hate. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's one. Um, it's it's quite weird because some of them, like Knock Up and Cynthia especially, that's like four years old, that song. Um, it doesn't get boring playing Knock Up, it's just because it's quite funny. Like A lot of times when we play it, and in different cities now, you always get a couple of people going, Woo! <laughs> um, which is always hilarious. Uh, the new stuff, I actually haven't grown the slightest bit weary of playing. Uh, we are kind of focused on writing new stuff as well, because the album is out. We've been we've been playing some of the new stuff for like months before we actually went into record. Um, it's not it's not got to the point where we're all huffing and puffing about playing the songs. It's still they're still pretty fresh, and we all really like playing them, especially like. The last two, I'm a huge fan of playing. The last one's dancey and I always get a giggle out of it. So I've got a feeling people are watching this going, what the fuck's going on here? Playing dance music, instrumental dance music. Um, no, it's good. We've not, we don't hate them yet. We're just going to start writing new stuff pretty soon. So you did mention Cynthia, which must be one of the first songs you guys record, you, you guys wrote. Second? That was finished before Scott was in the band. It was just me and Blaine in Blaine's room, paddling about with an idea. It's... Like, that song was uh, never a thought for going on the album until, like, two weeks before. Um, I can't remember who said it to me. It might have been Steve from Bathos. It was like, are you putting Cynthia on the album? And I kind of went, no. 
And then Scott had mentioned a couple of people saying it to him, and Blaine had mentioned a couple of people saying it to him, and we're just like, do you know what? People are asking for it. It can't be as bad as we think it is. So we just put it on. And actually, it does fit surprisingly well. You've changed it a lot, though, so. Yeah. I will, Neil coming in, he changed pretty much everything about it. Uh, it does sound a whole lot different. And I still hate it. <laughs> Four years old. Sick it. Um, you guys, well, one thing I like about Colors is, I mean... It goes without saying, it's a colourful record. <laughs> um, but it is, like, man, all you guys that play instrumental music and post-rock music, it's all the doom and gloom. You guys aren't about that. Um, you kind of stand out a little bit because of that. Mm-hmm. Has that ever occurred to you? Uh, yeah. Um, it occurred to us quite a lot when we played Glasgow with Mountains Under Oceans and Canal Capital. It's like our UK tour. And our manager, Jerry, walked up to us after playing... Uh, Poseidon's Kiss like the first time ever and just went that's your single that's really dancey that's really upbeat and yeah I mean we've been talking to people about it it's like post-rock and a really major cheery key so it is it's been mentioned quite a lot because that's what I listen to quite a lot of that type of post-rock that's misery faced um, it's quite funny how people have been taking notice of a really upbeat cheery amount of post-rock doesn't really happen in Glasgow. There's quite a lot. Of, there's quite a few English bands that do it down south. Yeah. I think we're kind of the first ones up here that have tried it. Assaulted by the bunny there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been really fun seeing people's perception of it. I think they were waiting for a couple of typical quiet, loud, quiet, loud songs. We're just kind of cheery in your face yeah. with help. It's quite heavy as well, which is it's it's hard to make. It's hard as a musician. It's hard to make heavy, happy music. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> I've been getting uh, I've been getting pelters from uh, a couple of friends. Uh, Jamie from Bello kept texting me going, "What's what are the beat dunes?" Like, yeah, I know. No, it's uh, it's been quite funny. Like Fart and Aldo's got an incredibly heavy bit in it. I remember the first time I heard that, I'm like, I wonder if that will fly. Uh, it all fits surprisingly well. That kind of just goes down to Blaine. He writes everything. It's he gets all the credit for the songwriting. So he's he's managed to do it pretty well. It's, um, it's as much as it is heavy, it's equal parts, you know, cheery and upbeat. So somehow we've managed it. I didn't know that Blaine was one that wrote all the songs. Oh yeah, Blaine, Blaine does like the skeletons of the songs. And then we just take it into the room and I change everything because I'm a dick. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not flash enough or something. Um, Neil will come in and... Well, actually, now that Neil's in the band, sorry, like Blaine and Neil have been bouncing ideas off each other now. Um <laughs> Sorry, uh, they've been they've been bouncing a lot of ideas off each other. Uh, so we'll just an ideal turn up. We'll land in the inbox. We'll listen to it, and then we'll go in, jam it out. Stuff will change in the room. Because uh, like I was, I found all our demos for every track that we've got in the album, and there's not a single one that stayed the same. So uh, yeah, that's usually how it works. I should let the listeners know that my rabbit is currently kicking about the flat. Yeah. So if, if you hear weird noises and that, that's what's going down. First time I've recorded my flat, actually. That's so, the reason I came here, the rabbit. Uh, probably. Yeah, <laughs> That's fair enough. You're flat, come on. <laughs> um, fuck, I've lost my train of thought. Yep. Uh, that's probably going to happen quite a lot in this interview. <laughs> um, see, the heaviness of it, right? I was thinking, not even a lot of post-rock bands are that heavy. In that sense. It's a bit beat-downy, which is cool. It's the kind of music I like. So. Yeah, uh, that's... that's quite good for the whole crossover thing yeah. I think uh, this album has a lot of stuff in it that'll appeal to people that don't listen to a lot of instrumental music because there is really heavy bits there's the our usual 
technical show-offing. And there's some really, really dancey bits in it as well. It's uh, it's quite good. It's got a, it's kind of what we were going for as well. I think we were going some, for something that wasn't, you know, a typical post-rock album. I don't really think we're a typical post-rock band anymore. We kind of started like that, but this is turned into just more of a rock album with a lot of different styles in it. Well, I was, my next question was going to be, can we talk about post-rock for a second, John? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> You guys aren't really, and you keep getting lumped in with that now. But I think maybe, yeah. well, you guys started out. You kind of obviously were, like the first EP and the um, the second one, the name of which I can't remember. Never have dreams. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah, never have dreams. And then the the, the second song in the Not a Cop single is yeah. incredibly post rock. We used to just call that slow and boring. <laughs> so we, that's how we did it in the practice room. Should we play slow and boring? Yes. Do you still play Sloan Bones? Oh, Christ, no. No, <laughs> no Sloan Bones out the window now. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Um, yeah, we get we actually get math rock more than post rock, uh, which I've got a bit, not a problem with, it just bugs me a wee bit, because we're not a math band. Maybe that we played Art Tangent, I think we get that even more. Everything we write's in four or three, the occasional six, eight, but it's not really mathy. Like, if we were going from, like, seven, eight to, like, 11, 18 or something, yeah, it would be a math band. But, um... It's still cool though, because especially the math rock scene down in like England is really tight knit. It's really cool. We've made a lot of friends, mm-hmm. especially in like the last year. Um, that you know, just saw we're kind of post math band from Glasgow came to see us. But it's it's good to be in that scene. But I don't think we're in this. We are there's mathy parts, but it's more like we're playing in four, but we're playing around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the post-rock scene, we've got like typically post-rocky bits. I think as soon as you have a tremolo pick part with a lot of reverb on it, that's a post-rock part. Uh, I think we've just kind of fallen into the sort of rock bracket with this one. But we will all, we'll all always have that link and get linked to the post-rock, mass-rock scene. Uh, we've actually had a couple of prog um, likings in the, in the um, in reviews, which always makes me think of like my dad's music um, yeah it's been it's been cool like I don't think we're ever gonna really shake away the sort of post and math comparisons it's good to have um, as long as you don't keep getting labelled a math band it should be alright <laughs> what's your reaction to instrumental music why did you start wanting, why was that what you wanted to play to begin with uh, one of my colleagues let me hear this will destroy you someone in B&Q that I used to work with let me hear like one song I think I listened to it like 20 times in a row that night um, and then I just got obsessed with that type of music and then Blaine happened to stick up a, a track that he'd written on like Garage Band that I thought was amazing. So that I've kind of stuck with it. Like I do really love the old boring standard post rock sometimes, which is why I've got most of this will destroy you albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was all that. Just hearing one track by our band kind of got me hooked on it. The other half of my music taste is horrible. <laughs> this is like I usually think the post rock stuff is the sort of nice half of what I listen to. The other half being the horrible. Prog, Metal, Mince, and Primus. <laughs> That's big. It's like the the cheery half I don't mind showing to people. It's when we're in the van or the car that the other three have to suffer it. And Mountains Under Oceans had to suffer it for the past two weeks as well. How, how, did, how was the European tour? Was that, was that the first time on, on, on yeah. that, that long on the road again? Uh, that would have been the longest we'd done if we'd played every night. Um, as long as we'd been away. Uh, I'm sorry it was the joint longest because the UK tour is the same length. Um, it was so good. Like, I keep saying this sentence to people and I feel like I'm being rude in terms of the UK, but they are so far ahead of 
in terms of treatment of bands. Um, like every night we showed up and you get fed and you've got a really nice place to stay. More often than not, we get free beer chucked at us. Um, and everyone's dead receptive. Like quite a lot of the time if we're playing a gig in, in here or occasionally in places in England, you will look out and you'll see the occasional person staring at their phone or chatting to their pal or talking incredibly loudly, which happened quite a lot of carefully planned. Um, but everyone that watched us in Europe were just like actually watching us, really into it. And we're really, really nice after the gigs. A lot of merch gets sold and just everyone seemed to be incredibly into it. It was just like... <laughs> Finishing it and coming home, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that was so good. Now I have to come back to the UK. Um, I was telling like Alpha Male Tea Party and Clef before they went, it's like prepare to be treated like you're doing something amazing when you're just playing a bunch of notes in front of people. It's mad. It's amazing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so different over there? Uh, a couple of places we played for have government funding. Like the place we played for in The Hague had it. Uh, I always forget the other places we played now. Uh, like quite a lot of, quite a few places had uh, government funding behind it, but some guys just did it off their own back. I think they just kind of maybe got a different um, like out, outlook on how you should treat bands. Like Block do it really, really well. Like the gigs I put on, they give you the budget there and they'll feed the bands. And I'll usually have to find someone a place to stay, but like, I, I don't really know what the, the difference is. I don't know what's stopping people over here doing it as well. I think maybe like, like as we've talked about, it's really difficult to get folk down to gigs, but especially in Leo, like I think we played to about seventy or eighty people, and we'd never been. And I was amazed. I'm like, no one here has heard of us. They've just turned up for a show. Um, same in like Velsec in Belgium. It was a wee room, but it was full. Um, I'm I'm not really sure what the what the main difference is. It's just really cool to see. Like first UK tour where we went, we're like we could play a no one every night because no one's heard of us. But we just kind of went in thinking we've been told Europe's really cool, and we just played to a decent amount of really nice people who are really really into it. It's cool. But I just can't really pinpoint what the what they're doing different. It's just a strange wee anomaly, a nice anomaly. How is it like you've obviously you booked a tour, didn't you? Yeah. And Bye. You've you've booked a few tours and stuff, which, uh, from my own experience, is a fucking Sucks. headache. But does that is it disheartening when you think about what you've just experienced compared to like what you're doing? Quite a lot. No. Um. Well, in terms of doing that tour, it just kind of made me think that I have to work a bit harder with doing my gigs. Um. Not really. It was. I, I still really like touring the UK because we got a lot of pals over here. Um, I was just it just kind of got me thinking like what the hell's so different in, like between Europe and the UK I don't know if it's just like people have more interest to go into a gig over there or what it's, it's just really weird the main thing it taught me is just like I know I obviously need to up my game mm-hmm. in terms of what I'm doing and like punt promoting try and mirror what they're doing over there because everyone that we play for did an amazing job and just were incredibly nice it was weird being... I always think like, a couple of times it crossed my mind going, I'm just some idiot with a bass. Why are you giving me a free dinner and all this beer? It's strange. Um, it was great. I'd completely recommend anyone like tell anyone to do it. It's the best time you'll have in a stinking van with your stinking pals. It's great. I've heard that a few times with people that, are, that I know that have also played in Europe and they've always said, without fail, it's the coolest thing you'll ever do because it's just people just come to shows and, and they buy stuff and you just don't get that in Britain unless, yeah. unless you're 
a big band, you know. What I mean? Unless you're a big band or like it's your pals, mm-hmm. or you know, you want to go down and kiss the arse of the musician that's playing. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I think like there's there's obviously some like there's obviously different circumstances for there. They might just have a much better scene down here than us, but it's. I keep saying it's great, and it is. I'm gutted I'm back. <laughs> Makes me sad. I, would, I really want to go back out like straight away. We've already talked about doing it next year, which we definitely will. Um, but I think that's kind of the, the standard I'm going to hold myself and everything else up against now, the Europe standard. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so fucking cool to hear, especially for your first time out, man, and on the back of your debut album, which is a pretty pretty cool thing. Yeah, it was, it was quite funny as well. We were selling it weeks before it was out we even played to England shows played Leeds in London to like just make sure we had a bit of money behind us before getting out of the tunnel and we just as soon as we said to people like we've got an album out in two weeks but you can buy it now they all kind of went oh and battered to the merch desk which is a great help when you're out in the road because even like (laughs) when I kept looking at the drives I'm used to like get up we're in Liverpool we need to be in Manchester and five hours we've got an hour's drive we can arse about this was like get up at nine and go we have an eight hour drive down the road through three countries move your arse <laughs> uh, we had a couple of killers on tour as well like, I think we had a 13 hour drive to Copenhagen which was absolutely shocking it was so bad <laughs> it was like the Hague round through the Netherlands through Germany up and across it was that was a killer it was no fun it was the worst part of tour <laughs>
So just to go back to the idiot with the bass thing. Let's go back to where, where did that begin? Where, when did you realise that being a musician? This is the whole theme of the podcast. Yeah, you're gonna. You're when did, gonna, when did you realise that? Get, you're gonna get the most embarrassing admission in my life. <laughs> I hate saying this because it just makes me feel like a fud. Um, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when MTV Two used to be good? Used to have amazing music on it. Years I'm ago. older than you, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Vividly, I came in from school one day. We just got Sky in the house. I think I was eleven or something. So this is like fourteen years ago. <laughs> Put on MTV too, and a video for a Mudvayne song came on, and I just watched the bassist for the whole video. I'm like, "What the bloody hell is that guy doing in that bass?" And uh, got a bass. Proceeded to learn <laughs> pretty much every Mudvayne song there was. Oh God, how embarrassing! Um, yeah, that good old Mudvayne. John has actually went bright red, by the way. <laughs> just, oh, just man, you know. such, a, such a lame man to like. I love them, I think they're great. <laughs> you still love them? Uh, I, I lost all my Mudvayne from my, my iPod. Uh, my computer had a complete hardware failure and I was stupid, didn't back it up, so I need to go, I need to go track it down. But yeah, that um, that was the reason I got a bass and then I kind of heard all these technically bands, especially like Primus and Intronaut, especially Intronaut actually, like, um, I think I was kind of, I got into it, like, bass really, really, really into it um, when I was at Glasgow Uni, my failed four months at Glasgow Uni, and I hated my classes, so I just got plugged in at learning my bass, and then kept stumbling across really cool bands that I hadn't heard of, like Primus, who were like 20 years old at that time, and then uh, a band from America called Intronaut, uh, it's like a four-piece proggy metal band with a jazz bassist um, which kind of if you listen to our stuff and listen to theirs it's, you'll see my crass attempts to rip off their bassist every turn uh, yeah Mudvayne thanks for that totally oh god is that, that's going to be broadcast man yeah that's going to be the next bit of toilet graffiti John Niblock loves Mudvayne <laughs> which I know is you because you're the first one to know that this is, it'll be underneath in, in brackets not ironic <laughs> oh god yeah Oh, I'm definitely going to do that now. What's up with that, by the way? What's up with that whole like every single fucking toilet I've been in in Glasgow is fucking there's something about you in it. It's really funny. Some people keep asking me if I'm pissed off by it, and I think it's hilarious. How does that even happen? Though? Um, it's my one of my friends. Owen Wickstead always gets the credit for it, and it's totally not him. Um, my friend Andy, Andy Kerr. I'm going to full name because he's to blame for all this. Uh, when we were away on our first tour, um, I got a phone call from Jerry. Uh, the guy that manages and he was in block he just phoned me and said what are you doing I'm like I'm in the van we're driving through to Lincoln he's like there's some really personal graffiti about you in block and my brain went oh shit it's going to be something really bad and then he sent me a picture and it was John Niblock is pure daft about stereophonics and all that it's just subsequently gone now that, uh, the block toilets yeah. and all that get redone so it's completely it's gone and uh that actually that was there for years and it was only like a year and a half ago that Owen saw it from Womps and just thought it was the funniest thing going. So he went mental with it. I think he drew me in a toilet in Leeds saying, like, Ecky's lol or something. I'll need to find that one. Um, yeah, he just went ballistic with it. And then everyone started joining in. And then Nick, the guy that runs a site called Feckin' Bahamas, found it and made a like a gallery on his website, which is actually, like, I think it's the most clicked thing on their website at this moment in time. So that went that went mad, and then I remember the day Colours came out, I did the usual 
social media whoring and put it on one of the American pages I'm part of and a guy actually went you're that guy from the toilet graffiti aren't you I was like oh for fuck's sake yes um, it's it's funny like if you can't take a joke you're screwed so I just kind of think it's absolutely hilarious it turns out to be the most hilarious viral marketing campaign that's oh, ever yeah. happened it's like people keep saying it's like is it you is it like free PR I'm, like, I'm not that clever I'm not I'm not smart enough to start this shit um, yeah there's been I think the best one is a double one that someone wrote and then someone added to it was John Niblock does the Avon and then under it it says but cannot contour which was absolutely great um, yeah quite a lot of, like I think Scott's been trying to perpetuate the rumour that I've been doing it as well um, it's just it's just funny it shows up every now and again and I'm just kind of like alright good you <laughs> if I can get a laugh out of it it's good if I was sitting in my house miserable and raging at everyone that writes one I'd be a pretty miserable bastard but it's just it's funny Get a laugh out of it. Flattered by it, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird because like when we go to Art Tangent, I get full named by people I don't know. It's like, oh, you're John Niblock. I'm like, yeah, who are you? And it's like, oh, I saw your name in a toilet in Brighton or something. I'm like, oh, smashing. <laughs> Pretty much every band about says it as well. Um, it's just it's gotten to it's gotten to a sort of farcical point where it's just incredibly hilarious, and uh, gets me creepily recognised by people in this sort of scene. It's weird. Not as embarrassing as the whole Mudvayne thing, but aye, pretty embarrassed. That's definitely going to be a big thing now. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Speaking of Mudvayne and, 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 and Trinot and, and Primus, it's odd for a music guitar player, for bass, to be the first thing that you want to do. Yeah. Did that ever strike you? No. I think I tried guitar before and I didn't like it. I don't know why. Because I've got humongous, stupid great hands and I thought I was going to crush it. Um, I just never really bothered. Even now when I pick up Occasionally pick up like Scott or Blaine's guitar, I'll play it like a bass. I don't know. It's just, I couldn't be arsed with guitar. I just thought bass was cooler. Because you could, you know, try and ape the Mudvayne guy style, who knows. Uh, no, I never, never really bothered. I was just always kind of focused on bass. I think I'd played drums before as well. I just think there was kind of a link between that whole rhythm section thing. So I just took it up. One thing I was thinking when I was, uh, when I was listening to Colours is... I've never really asked an instrumental band this before, and I, 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 it kind, it kind of, it seems really self-evident to me as a singer. What's the attraction to writing, to writing music without a vocal hook, and how hard is that to do? Uh, see, as long as you have like a good hook in your music, I don't think it's that much a, a bother. Um, I've obviously heard instrumental tracks that have no hook, and it's kind of like, yeah, this is quite difficult to listen to because it means you have to really find something in the music that you can follow um, I don't know I think Blaine's got a natural talent for writing really catchy hooks like especially in a couple of tracks there's some I always find it weird when I'm out and about and I'm humming my own band's music but uh, no he's just he's got a really good talent for just starting a song and then it'll, it'll either kick in with a hook that you can remember or down the line something will come in that's just really memorable it's uh, it's all down to him the bugger He'll get he'll get a bit of ego boost from hearing this, but yeah, he's he's just got a, he's got a knack for writing really hooky music. Um, God knows how he's just he's got it down. If you've ever been asked in an interview, it's not a question I'm going to ask. But if you've ever been asked why have you not got a singer, all the time. Why have you not got a singer? Because uh, we can't sing. <laughs> it suck. We're rubbish. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, we've never been bothered about not having vocals. I don't think we're really bothered about getting a guest vocalist in. Um, question is more like about asking any interviews and how you've done quite a lot of them lately. Oh yeah, just, just, we get asked crap. We got asked a belter years ago by I can't remember who. 
but it was John T in the park. And the question actually, me and Scott were looking at it and it read, who are you not looking forward to? But it was worded in a way like, who do you think sucks and you ain't going near with a 10-foot barge pole? Mm-hmm. And we were kind of staring at it like, that's a really, that's a loaded question. If we say anyone, we're going to have like an angry tweet going, well, you're shit too, yeah. send. Um, yeah, that tends, it tends to be why do you not have a singer and, oh, what's the other one? Oh, explain the name. No. I always want to make up something bullshit and stupid, but I can never think of it, so I have to tell them the boring actual story about how we just went on Wikipedia and hit random search, and we couldn't make a ge- we couldn't make like a, a dick joke or a dirty joke out of Asa. So, yeah, that's how we picked it. I've never I want to say that in one interview. It's like yeah, we couldn't make some sort of joke about arseholes, and we couldn't make some sort of filthy remark about it. So we're good. If you can't change our band name into a sort of dirty expression, you're sorted. That's that's a really good way of looking at band. Don't ask me for any ones we've thought of. We've thought of quite a lot, and some of them are rotten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, there's been some good ones flying about recently. You're, you're quite. You're you've you guys have done quite a lot over the course. Of, I guess four years. You guys have been a band, yeah, which is which is not that long, really. You think about it. Um, where does the drive come from? Uh, me it comes from me. No, um, I think we just we we like going on tour a lot. That's that's the main one that's really, really good. Like, I've kind of started planning the next one. And as soon as I put it up, you're like, yeah, as soon as we can, soon, the sooner we can get back out, the better. And it's going to be early next year, hopefully. Um, I don't know. We've just kind of, I think we've kind of seen how it's all going. And we're like, this could do something. So let's give it as good a shot as we can. Especially after Art Tangent. Like, we came off stage at Art Tangent, and that was a amazing gig. Like, just the amount of people that came to see us was mental. Like, a full tent, and then it was packed out the back as well back towards the bar I think we've just seen everything's going well It's people are enjoying it we're just going to give it as big a fist as we can um, and I'm kind of relentless with the whole tour in the UK thing so and I'm stuck to, not stuck with no tours I do it like off and back but I like booking tours as well I just like doing as much as we can possibly can with all the all the job especially Scott's job actually getting in the way um, no I think we've just we just know something good could come of this, so we want to give it as good a shot as we can. Be a waste of, be a waste of a good band if we just sat around and played the occasional Glasgow show. A lot of, a lot of bands do that, which is disheartening, really. Like they don't have that attitude, which is why I asked the question. Is yeah. is there are a lot of great bands out there that could they could could do it and probably could go out and do it reasonably well for themselves, and they just don't. There's a lot of bands that split up in our time as a band that I think could have been amazing. Daddy Adventure, for example, I think they could have been a huge man like they were amazing um crusades obviously i think that would have been a, a big thing um even like bands like dark drinker have finished and i i still maintain they're like the best heavy band going even though they're not a band anymore i absolutely love that band um it can it does annoy me quite a lot there's a lot of bands in glasgow at the moment that i keep thinking you should be out touring and doing a lot more um because there's some belting bands out there like bello i work with bello now and I've just been spending months kicking their arses going, you're going down to England because you're good, you're all talented. They've done a couple of English shows and they all went really well. Um, it's it's kind of annoying sometimes when you see a band that have got a lot of potential and just kind of don't do as much as they should. I think that's another reason behind why I'm a bit relentless with touring because I don't want... We've had a lot of high praise. I don't want it to be wasted. I think it's a good idea for us to just get out and actually do the work as well as come back here and doing the work that gets recorded and put out. 
Do you think uh, they'll ever come a point that it will just be the band and only the band and no jobs? Is that a day that you want to happen? Is that yeah, something? Is that a be, goal? That would be great if someone was stupid enough to pay us money to be a band full time. I don't think anyone would grumble. Um, Even that just meant being on the road all the time. I mean, being like being on tours hard. Um, it's quite weird. Like the, this one, we were all knackered at the end of like absolutely knackered. Um, and the UK one, I was knackered because <laughs> it was sixteen days in the bounce and I had all the driving. But that one we did with Shrine, I turned to Blaine after the Brighton show, which was the last one, and went, see if we had a day off, I could definitely do two more weeks. Um, so we're talking about it as well, if we ever ended up doing like a really big, say, support tour or something that was like two months long, it'd be hard, but it'd be great fun as well. I think you just kind of need to get used to being away from your comfy house and sleeping on a, on a floor in some stranger's house. Um, yeah. I think a lot of bands, kind of going back to what we were saying a minute ago, I think a lot of bands maybe do like a wee tour and they realise that's actually the, the reality of it, is doing, is is not just not just being away from home, which is, is fine for some people, and not so much the, the sleeping in other people's floors, but the, the, the vast waste of time you spend doing absolutely fuck all. I mean, it's, it's, see when you break it down in, your, in its core parts, it's ridiculous. Drive, set up fart around for like three hours and then play a half hour set to Total Strangers, do it again tomorrow. It's really, really weird. Um, I think the, the other good thing for us is we've never had a bad tour experience yet either. We've never, never had to sleep in the van, never had, any, never had anything stolen, which, uh, did you see the, what happened to the Phantom Band? Yeah, that, was, that is, again. yeah, and the, the place they get robbed as well was the one place I have been, never been so paranoid in my life, Leal. Uh, as much as it was a good gig we were loading out and there was like five huge guys just round from the van just standing kind of looking at us every two minutes and I'm like let's get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. um, yeah I think we've we've always had a good time in the road as well and I think we've just kind of associated touring with having a laugh so it's it's good for us to get back out and we've done cool sh- we've done two cool tours with two bands we're really good pals with like it's great being in the mountains because we've I think out of everyone, I've known them the least amount of time, but we're all good friends with them. And the Shrine one was just amazing fun. Um, it sucked following them some nights, like, because uh, they're just... Even now, like, we watched them at Art Tangent, they were immense. Um, going away with them was fun, because we're just good pals. I think I saw them at Heavy, actually, this year. Were they at Heavy this year? Yeah, they played every festival under the sun. Yes, I, I think I saw them. I'm pretty like, sure that they were on the main stage. Art Tangent, Ren and Leeds, some, they were telling me about some weird prog festival that Rick Wakeman curates. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> <There's guys, laughs> I saw a picture of it and there's guys dressed like as Iron Man but covered in tinfoil. It's bizarre. Yeah. That's a strange one. Yeah. Don't know where we're going with that conversation, but yeah. Heavy fest. Heavy fest. Yeah, so, because you do so much to this, the organisational stuff yourself, is that DIY, that DIY vibe, is, is that something you even think about? And, is that, do you just like having, do you, is, are you like me in that you don't trust anyone else to sort out shit? I don't know. No, no, I like, um, everyone's kind of got their own thing with this band. Like Blaine does most of the writing. Uh, now that Neil's come in, Neil does a lot of the artwork stuff. He did the artwork for the album yeah, and he did the inserts and everything. And me being a total tech idiot, Scott does a lot of the stuff computer wise that I'm just too stupid to do. Um, and then I just do all the, all the tours. I kind of like doing all the tours as well because if I'm not, if I don't know every wee bit about a show, I get kind of antsy, like where are we staying, what are we get paid, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
And plus, I've just kind of got used to it over the past couple of years, doing the, especially now doing those uh, Terrible shows that I do. Um, I think that just kind of comes naturally to me. And plus, I'm a relentless gobshite. <laughs> I like talking to people I don't know and, you know, convincing them to put on my daft band. Did, um, I noticed the Creative Scotland thing. Did you get funding for that one? Yeah, uh, that was so difficult. Um, it's, I can, it's great. It's a great help. Uh, we totally underpitched because there's so much extra stuff we never thought of um, yeah we just we I think the reason we went for it is we knew that we needed that help because doing an album is not like chucking your pal a couple of hundred quid it's like someone to mix it and it's and we wanted to go with someone that was knew exactly what they were doing as well we weren't going to go like stay here and get one of our friends to do it we, we specifically picked the guy we wanted to do it we knew who was going to master it and then it was like making all the vinyls blah 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 um, it's it's a great thing to have like if you can get your hands on it it's a real help because that's the main reason why this album's out Create Scotland Money was there which meant we could afford to go all the way down to Southampton record and get uh, the guy that mastered it to actually master it um, it's just filling out the form is it took ages because me and Scott were terrified because we, we knew a few bands that went for it and didn't get it so we were like what mistake and we fucked it um, it's great it's just a terrifying application process and the way it's pretty horrible as well because we sent the application in at the end of October it takes 12 weeks to make a decision and that I think we had 13 weeks to go to what was the record so I had to message the guy going what deposit do you want and we might not be able to come down because we might not get the funding so having that hanging over our heads is pretty, pretty terrifying. But we got it. I think we got the Creative Scotland successful application and the Art Tangent invitation in the same week, which is amazing. That uh, that made up for all the stressing. Uh, it's a it's a great wee thing. It's it's great for bands that want to go out and do that. Album. It kind of gives you a help that you won't get anywhere else. It's like if you try asking your parents for a five grand fee to do an album, they'll probably tell you to bugger off. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, uh, where you recorded, man. If like that guy, I love that guy. Um, does milk teeth and creeping and stuff like that. Her bands that I actually really like, so um, and that's what I'd like to record as well. Um, what was the? Uh, you were away for two weeks, solid, weren't you? Aye. What I was that? My birthday concert, which is great. I hate my birthday. Um, Would you do that again? Oh yeah, absolutely. We uh, we loved being down there. Uh, kind of difficult for Neil because he uh, he was finished in three days, so it meant he had eleven days of nothing, which meant he had eleven days of playing like the Evil Within and NFL and stuff like that and Dragon Age. Um, it was great though, it was, the studio was amazing. Um, the live room was just massive and you got to pick exactly what you wanted to use with the drums and then I got to run through some humongous 8x10 thing. Um, and the guys that we recorded with were great as well. Like, they, uh, yeah, uh, Neil, Neil and Daly, Neil Kennedy and Daly George, you're great. Um, they were really... Strict's the wrong word, but like every every take we did, some some of them I'd come out thinking, oh, that was really good. And then Daly or Neil would turn to me and go, that was all right, you're a wee bit behind the beat, I think you should do it again. I'm like, what? Uh, they, were, they were really good at getting the best out of us. And I think they were really good with dealing with the insane pedals that Scott and Blaine ended up going through. Um, they kept saying it was like recording and mixing. I was just like recording and mixing two albums. I think because like some of the bands that you mentioned there, they're probably less pedals and effects they're more in record out mm-hmm. um, it was really cool like working with them they were pretty hysterical as well they had excellent power which was great and 
they've pretty much got the absolute best out of us for that album, which is exactly what we want. At the end of the day, we don't want someone to go, that was good, what's the next part? That's what it sounds like as well, man. Yeah, it was, it was really, really, it was all managed really well. It was just the fact that after five days, me and Neil were done, so we had to hear guitars. There was a day of feedback as well, which was grim. Yeah, like Blaine just turned to us one day and went, Oh, I need all the feedback. I'm like, What feedback? The fuck are you on about? And I walked in, I think, at like midday. I think Neil slept till four that day as well because he just had 11 days of nothing. And I just walked in and Blaine was through the set of double doors just shaking this fender at a huge cab. And I'm like, What the? F- what is what? What's going on? It's actually like he, he totally gets vindicated for it because it was absolutely necessary. Like in some bits, it's just needed. So, uh, yeah, it was totally needed, but it was ridiculous at the time. Just watching Blaine shake a fucking fender, a huge stack of cabs. Was... I was around and go, are we actually paying for you yeah. to do this? I, know, I was thinking to myself, I was like, we probably waste about £100 you shaking a fucking fender at this daft, daft cabinet. Um, yeah, all that was great. Apart from the toilet situation was a bit difficult. It was an outhouse clean across the courtyard. Wow. So, like, freezing in February as well. So we were, like, fucking racing through, like, minus two <laughs> for a slash at, like, two in the morning. Apart from that, great. I think I'm going to wrap it up, man, because I've run straight out of questions for you. So, um, anything else you want to say or anything you want to ask me before I finish? I really want to know what embarrassing bands you like now that I've told you I love Mudvay. Um, see, I don't really think any of the bands I like embarrassing. I just embrace everything. <laughs> but I guess, I don't know. Apart, fear apart from, I don't know if you're a factor. I don't like Slipknot. I don't know if that's embarrassing. Ah, that's not embarrassing at all. Um, I'm just I'm so mentally, mentally picturing my record collection here. Um, is growing men with painted faces, which was mud vein at the start. Yeah. That's, that's the level I'm back um, for. I like my Uncle Romance a lot. I don't think that's, that's very embarrassing as well. <laughs> Shit new metal we're talking here. Um, I, I kind of, I got over that really quickly, man. Marlon Manson. I do like Marlon Manson. I'm, I'm actually still quite a big Marlon okay. Manson fan. Oh, I still cover it. Uh, yeah. That's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> If those said that Antichrist Superstar, Hollywood, Mechanical Animals, those three records, man, I fucking love them. Like, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's maybe. Still not as bad as my final thing. I've dug myself a pretty deep hole. <laughs> um, I did a soft spot for Bon Jovi. That's pretty bad. My mum did a soft spot for Bon Jovi, sorry, that's, that's mum rock right there. <laughs> uh, uh, and I like the Eagles because of my dad. Like I like Russian Peter Gabriel because of my dad, so that's that's totally forgivable. Why should my dad like Peter Gabriel, man? <laughs> See, we're fine with that one. We're good. Uh, apart from that, just, I don't know. Buy our album. But, yeah, Please. <laughs> buy the album. Vindicate us spending all that money on all those vinyls. <laughs> just get those fucking boxes out of my house. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Yeah, there's so many. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks. So there you have it. This is the first interview that I've ever conducted at home in my own flat. So I'm really thankful for John for coming out and popping over and having a chat with me. I apologise for any weird noises in the background. At the time, I had my pet rabbit out. I do have a pet rabbit. He's house trained. It's fucking awesome. But yeah, he was out and about and he was just chewing things and generally being an adorable wee nuisance. So I apologise if that was distracting for you. And anyway, I certainly didn't mean that to be the case. Thanks to John for giving me the interview. Really appreciate it. And yeah, check out Vaza's debut album, Colours. It's fucking great. It's loud. The production's massive and they sound they just sound great. They sound like the band that 
I've always thought they could be. Go over to the Bandcamp, check it out. You'll see the links in the show notes, all that kind of thing. Go buy a copy. It's dead cheap. And it's just awesome. So, yeah, go do that. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to play you out now with a, another track from a debut album. This song is called Poseidon's Kiss. And I hope you enjoy it. Please take some time to drop me a rating and review on iTunes. I really appreciate that. I've had a couple more recently. Thank you to those who've done it. I don't have your names to hand because I don't have iTunes or my iPad or whatever to hand. But thank you. You know who you are if you're listening. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. If you haven't done it yet, it takes two seconds. Please go do it. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye.